This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Well, this is it. This will be the final installment of this program for 2019 and the last conspiracy show of the decade. Of course, uh, we'll be back in January to begin anew. So happy new year, folks. What a year, what a decade it's been on many fronts. This was perhaps the decade that proved your paranoid uncle was right. You probably owe him a beer. So many things we've talked about on this program have come to fruition, and that would be somewhat gratifying if it weren't so gosh darn frightening. It's been quite a year, quite a decade for ET disclosure, and two gentlemen who toil in that arena join me this hour. Stephen Bassett and Victor Vigiani are both uh, here to discuss, well, ET disclosure. Where do we go from here? What are the odds we'll finally have ET disclosure in 2020. And what does that even mean, ET disclosure? And we'll also look at some recent headlines in the field of ufology. In the second hour, open lines. I had planned to do an hour of open lines last week, uh, but my conversation with Stefan Verstappen on building communities and support networks, that kind of took things over. Uh, So we will do open lines tonight, second hour, pinky swear. Uh, And what better way to say goodbye to the year than uh, an hour of open lines? And what I'd really like to do is get your predictions for 2020. They could be political, uh, domestic politics, world politics, the economy, the world of entertainment. I'll give you a few of mine. Now, I'm not asking you to remote view anything. I just want you to give me your opinion. And these predictions can be, well, as outlandish and unlikely as you want to make them, or they could be things that are based on recent trends and are very likely to happen or could happen. Again, that's hour two. Speaking of predictions, try to imagine what headlines we may see in this coming year, 2020, with regards to UFOs and ET disclosure. The past two years, certainly since the December 2017 New York Times uh, article, also on Politico, Uh, revealing the existence of a secret Pentagon program, ATIP, 
Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program, and two gentlemen that have worked tirelessly to advance ET disclosure. Join me this hour. Stephen Bassett is the executive director of Paradigm Research Group, founded in 1996 to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomena. He's spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of formal disclosure by world governments of extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race and given over 1,200 radio and TV interviews. PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by national and international media. Victor Vigiani's research and analysis of anomalous aerial phenomenon spans 30 years. His experience involves UFO sightings, report investigation, counseling work with individuals reporting anomalous experiences, presentations, and journalism in the field of ET disclosure issues. And he is the executive director uh, of Zeland News Network and Zeland Communications. Stephen, Victor, welcome to you both. How are you? Just fine, Richard, and good to be with you. I'm hanging in there, Richard. Happy New Year to you both. Yeah, I want to go back to uh, 2017 December because there seems to be a bit of an about face uh, from the 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 Pentagon. And Victor, I know you covered this uh, at uh, Zeland News recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, they admitted yes that they were studying uh, uh, unexplained aerial phenomena, and then we had, I believe, it was a deputy director over at the Pentagon saying the exact opposite. They weren't studying UFOs and. Uh, well, you pick it up from there. What what's going on? Well, I think my you know my uh, sort of assessment of that, Richard, and I know Steve will have, probably have his own assessment of it too. Is that uh, uh, I, I was told by a, an individual who um, was uh, a, f- a former CIA uh, operative uh, in the late seventies and early eighties, and uh, his his mantra was the, uh, the 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 Pentagon always lies. And um, I, I don't exactly where he gets that information from, but the last couple of um, years, uh, that has, uh, in my assessment, <clears throat> gone on to paid off as, as true. They said one thing before, uh, and that was that they had $22 million uh, in some way assessed to them through the Senate funding mechanism. And we can talk about it a little earlier, a little later. Uh, and then it came out that uh, Senator Harry Reid somehow uh, got these funds oh, to the Pentagon, and it began an investigation program <laughs> of um, okay, there you are of UFOs. And then after that, um, you know, that that became a huge a huge issue. It came out along with the the, the Navy, uh, the U.S. Navy, indicating that they were releasing their pilots to tell. Uh, what these pilots have seen in the air and this whole convolution of the Pentagon revelations and the Navy assessment of it built up a huge, I guess, um, wave of information that led people to believe that the U.S. government was in some way or another moving towards some sort of disclosure. I know the Navy has sort of propelled that forward and allowing that thing to go forward in terms of their own pilots. But for some reason, the, the Pentagon has backed off. And we don't know exactly why. And I guess that's why we're talking tonight. All right, Stephen, what is your uh, analysis of this uh, par- apparent about face by the Pentagon with regards to this Pentagon program, tip? Let me preface my analysis. Uh, what's going on here is extraordinarily complex. Uh, it 
involves national security issues as well as the military intelligence complex, which has been doing this and that for many, many years. But what happened in 2016 when a group inside the, when a substantial group of individuals inside the Pentagon made the decision that they were going to go proactive and allow a private group to be formed, essentially a surrogate group to be formed, of obviously, openly, a substantial careerist working at the Pentagon, working in Congress, working at the CIA uh, and Lockheed and other laboratories, which was, and a lot of people just simply forget this, absolutely unprecedented. Uh, there was some, something major went down there. And it's a very complicated, and we don't have all the information because they're not allowing all the information to go out. And so the To the Stars Academy was dropped in to the, I guess you could say, the extraterrestrial phenomena community, formally on October 11th, 2016. It didn't come with a great deal of origin story. Hadn't been several major books written about it or anything. They just announced it. Though we had some warnings or heads up that it was coming, and that was delivered by Tom DeLong earlier in 2016 uh, to George Knapp on Coast to Coast. We gave a four-hour interview hinted all over the place, and, and, and toyed with us about what was coming. And what is being done is extremely complicated. Now, the problem right now, I say the problem, one of the great problems, and there are many, many, many problems, that American people, in their effort to engage government and engage the truth, have, is that they're overwhelmed. The amount of information, good, bad, or ugly, that's available on the net, on Twitter, on websites, bogus and otherwise, is simply massive. Anybody can say anything about anything. Uh, so, so you have essentially millions and millions of people that are, that are going to have opinions and their own thoughts about anything significant happening. And what can be much more significant than a major development in the extraterrestrial issue? And so what we've seen for the last, well, we're now in the, it's, it's really a good long year. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a 14-month year, but it's a hell of a 14 months. It's pretty chaotic. And enough to turn anybody off that's new to this issue and trying to figure out what's going on as they kind of filter through uh, the various postings and and uh, assertions and estimates and what have you. It's a mess, but I'm not sure it could be otherwise. Um, so, and, and, and again, no question that you can ask about what's going on has even a remotely short answer. Nothing, nothing comes close. The proper answer to the question that you just asked about the Pentagon statement that essentially went to George, uh, to uh, to uh, uh, John Greenwald, as he probed, as he does, for background information regarding the To the Stars Academy. We could talk for hours and hours about it. And so you see how difficult it is. And the reason that we're not able to spend more time 
is we don't have the funds. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources to really, truly uh, engage issues at great depth. In other words, we're not the New York Times. We're not ABC News. We're just people out here trying to follow an issue. But to give you the shortest possible answer, now, To the Stars Academy is backed by a group of people inside the military intelligence complex, most of which I imagine are focused at the Pentagon. We do not know who they are. They have been alluded to by some of the members of the To the Stars Academy, particularly Jim Semivan. We don't know who they are. We don't know who gave the ultimate authorization for them to even exist. We don't know who actually authorized the declassification of the gun camera footages that were given to Luis Elizondo that he gave to the New York Times. There's a ton we simply do not know, and we're not allowed to know, because this information has got to remain confidential, or this group would be under considerable uh, risk of collapsing, which is to say that they have X amount of support within the military intelligence complex to to do what they do, and that means there's Y amount of, 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 of... of uh, negative views inside the military intelligence complex to stop doing what they're doing. Think of it as a tug of war. All right. And so this announcement comes out of this group, which is a surrogate group for another group inside the military intelligence complex. And we don't know the origin story. And then somebody like John Greenwald, appropriately, who has, has phone numbers, he's not the only one, gets in touch with the, uh, the Pentagon's front office, where the public relations people are, where the spokespeople are, and wants to know this or that. So what's the problem here? The spokespeople are representing the whole Pentagon, not specialized groups within the Pentagon. They're representing the whole Pentagon. They speak for that organization, and they answer exactly as according, as they are, and they're allowed to by their bosses. And so the, quote, office that was responding to those questions was light years removed from the core group that made the decision to go forward in the first place. And they, can't, they can't, yeah. and they can't reveal information. And so they basically say, uh, initially they said there was no study. It's false. I think at some point they said Luis Elizondo didn't run a study. That's right. False. Yes. All right. All false. Why? Because they're in a, they, can't, they can't acknowledge those things because there are plenty of people inside the Pentagon that would be very upset. And they serve the whole Pentagon. Whatever their thoughts about this program and the team, Luis Elizondo and the others, personally, they're not their spokesperson. And so once you get that false response, oh boy, off to the races we go uh, with uh, the accusations and the assumptions, the uh, uh, speculations and what have you, which keeps us pretty much off guard, off balance, running around, which frankly, I assure you, those in the Pentagon that do not want to see this particularly bear too much fruit are quite happy to see. They're not going to clarify anything. So that's the first answer to that question. The second answer, if you want to kind of get a sense 
of how the rest of the military intelligence complex is, is responding to what's going on. You look at the Navy. Now, this is not some query put in to the Navy spokesperson or the press office. This is actions by the Navy that can be easily assessed. So what, what happened in 2016 is the gun camera footage to several Navy encounters were released to the public. It's unprecedented. The most significant was the Nimitz event. Navy carriers, Navy planes, extraordinary sightings, efforts to suppress them, keep people from talking, all just came out. It had been kind of in play, but now it came out big time. Not just came out big time. It came out in the New York Times. This put the, the Navy in a very bad light. Uh, they're lying to the public. They're clearly opposed to us knowing the truth, etc. It's a problem. So what did the Navy do? Well, first the Navy announced that we're going to uh, work with the protocols of pilot sightings so that they can make it easier for them to report these things. Meaning, hey, we're on your side. But then they did something more extraordinary. And this is a very significant event of 2019. The Navy went to the specific effort to acknowledge and confirm that the gun camera footage that was released was indeed Navy gun camera footage from Navy planes of unidentified aerial phenomena, which instantly gutted a significant percentage of all of the debunking um, uh, skeptical BS that was just raging around the net about this by people that really just can't bear to go a day without expressing their ill-informed opinions. That was non-trivial. And then something else happened. The Army agreed to enter into a CRADA, Cooperative Research uh, R&D uh, 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 programs. And it's called a CRADA. It's a very simple thing. They do a lot of them. They're not. They're not a big deal. Uh, there's like a. There's like a. Uh, they're not big. Money's not being exchanged. Money's not really exchanging hands. There's no investment. But you're working in parallel. You have similar interest in some subject, and you're sharing the information. And there's some understandings that go along with it. It happens all the time. But they announced it that they were working on a crowd with the To The Stars Academy involving two things. One, cloaking systems, which made sense because uh, the To The Stars had announced that they were, in fact, uh, partnering up or had an arrangement with a company that was, was interested in that area, cloaking systems. And also metamaterials. Metamaterials, like it had been announced that the uh, Two Stars Academy was looking at at Bigelow Aerospace as part of the uh, the ATIP program, which is and and both of them were tied to the same thing: vehicle enhancement. In other words, this was about making military vehicles safer and 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 more less vulnerable in combat. Now let's be clear: the army doesn't have to do a crata a cooperative research and development project with some new group, such as the Two the Stars Academy, led by a former rock star. Actually, he's still a rock star, and they're still doing well, selling a lot of records. It's way too flimsy. They don't have to do that. Why did they do it? They did it to show um, their colors. In other words, they basically it was an affirmation 
these guys are legit, and we're letting you know that because we're actually getting into an arrangement with him. So here you have, I think, the Navy and the Air Force showing their support by their actions, and that's substantive. That's not opinions and speculation from dark journalists and light journalists and whoever the hell else is out there churning out their highly sophisticated advanced assessments of this. That's Even while the Pentagon is denying it, it's like it's like don't you know don't pay attention to what we're saying. Watch what we're doing. Exactly. All right, we're going to uh, head into a break here shortly. When we come back, I, uh, you, you sort of hinted at this. I want to talk a little bit more about. I think it was uh, the New York Times in September announced that uh, to the Stars Academy had obtained quote exotic material samples from UFOs, but no further details uh, were given at the time. We'll uh, find out what that might mean and uh, what 2020 portends for ET disclosure. Stephen Bassett and Victor Vigiani, my guests, stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. I'm on Instagram, Richard Serrett, and Facebook, Strange Planet with Richard Serrett at uh, Facebook. Say, have you signed up for my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum? All you need to do is go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, and right there at the top, you just uh, there's a little a uh, little sign there that says sign up here. Click on that. All I need is your first last name, email, and then you will start to uh, receive the the monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, every month in your inbox. That's for free, and you'll also be automatically uh, registered for our monthly draw for some fun Strange Planet merchandise, T-shirts and mugs and uh, so forth. Uh, Stephen Bassett is uh, with us from the Paradigm Research Group and Victor Vigiani from Zealand Communications and Zealand News Network as we continue to discuss uh, exopolitics and uh, ET disclosure and whether that might come in 2020. I wanted to ask you about uh, this story. I think it was in September and you sort of alluded to it, uh, uh, Stephen, but I wanted just to drill down a little bit more uh, this report is that that uh, the Academy to the Stars had received exotic materials uh, from UFOs, but there weren't a lot of other details uh, um, uh, offered uh, aside from that. But that's pretty tantalizing. Exotic materials from UFOs. Uh, do you want to weigh in on that, uh, Victor? And then we'll turn it back to Stephen. Did we lose Victor? All right, Stephen. Yeah, I think I think the the well, ideas, um, Richard, about the the metamaterials is that, um, and I'm not sure exactly how to frame it, but it it it, it appears to me that uh, people like Hal Putov and and Steve Mellon um, involved in the into the Stars Academy have got a hold of something. Um, whether these metamaterials are actually you know, parts of a craft of a, of a an, you know, UAP, a UFO, whatever you want to call it, or if it's something else. We, we don't know exactly why. But um, my, my largest problem with all of this is that, and this goes back to Luis Elizondo, too. Uh, 
when the announcement was made uh, in in uh, two, 2017, all this information came uh, forward, and and what I what I would call, and the CIA calls it, a limited hangout, and that means that um, people who are in charge of information, and we know that uh, the intelligence agencies within the United States, and other um, and, and and other intelligence agencies uh, globally have information that they throw out uh, to the general public and just sort of, um, you know, see who bites uh, onto, onto the hook. And the reason that they call it a limited hangout is because you never really know exactly what that information is. And Luis Elizondo was put in that position too. When he resigned uh, from the, uh, the ATIP program and went forward to uh, make several presentations uh, throughout the United States about his, you know, purported role uh, at the ATIP program. And I've listened to at least three of his presentations. And this man seems to be, you know, have been plugged in very, very closely to what was going on and making the statements that he made in terms of, well, yes, I can talk about this and I can talk about that. And, what I think is confusing everyone about the whole situation is that the information that's being put forward, even regarding the metamaterials, we don't know exactly what that is, and they haven't really described this stuff to be definitive about what it may be or is. And the the information creates not certainty, but it's creating more doubt about the direction and what we're going in. And it, it and adding to that, the recent um, statement by the uh, the Pentagon spokesperson uh, saying that Luis Elizondo had no major role in the eight tip program further obfuscates and conf- confuses everyone about what's going on. So this limited hangout is you know it's, it's a five steps forward, three steps back situation all the time. And I think that you know the point that Stephen is making is that this is making the whole situation extremely more complex than it was even to begin with. So I, I guess the question that I have to ask is that is any information that comes out of any government agency worth the time even considering? And I think that's the position that most people are in right now. And I, I fall back to the poor journalists that are involved in all this and following it. Um, one individual, uh, uh, Brian Bender, who works uh, for Politico, does a lot of great writing for Politico. He's totally confused about the whole situation. And uh, I spoke with him earlier um, in, in the month, and uh, he, he's beside himself about what to do about all of this. He's getting one set of information from one group of people, and then they just renege on the information. So as a journalist, he doesn't know what, you know, he doesn't know uh, what, what to write about. So we're really in a very, very confused position with respect to how the government agencies are, I guess, playing their poker hand with all of this. And it is very very disconcerting, and it's making the situation, as Steve said, even more complex than it was to begin with. All right, Stephen, did you want to weigh in with any further comments about this exotic material? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, I thought you might. Let's see. First of all, uh, it's confusing to those people who are simply not have enough information and know enough about the subject to at least kind of get a sense of what's going on. As far as any journalist that doesn't know what to do with all of this, they have no sympathy from me. 
They've had decades and decades to educate themselves on this subject. They refuse to do it. And so when things start to break and they don't know what's going on, tough. Don't care. Um, in terms of the metamaterials, I call your attention to my webpage, paradigmresearchgroup.org. If you go there and you go to under resources on the far right and scroll on down, you will see print media archive. Open up the print media archive and you'll see a kind of a flash page. And then you'll see a link to the full print media archive, which has 11,300 articles in it. Over 500 of those articles have to do with the students are directly or indirectly connected to the, to the Stars Academy, its launch, the announcement in the New York Times, and so forth. Over 500. You have people out there who have maybe read three articles, and they're just totally perplexed as to what's going on. I'm sorry. If you read those articles, what you will find out is that the matter of metamaterials, the matter of materials, has come up many times going all the way back to the beginning when the announcement came out on October 11th, 2016. There's been many announcements, and when you read them all and you get a sense of what has been said and so forth, you got pretty much an idea of what's going on. They didn't give a lot of information about where they got those materials. Does that surprise anybody? They, weren't, they couldn't say... say that they got them from the Navy labs or the Air Force labs. One of the things they did say, which is notable, is that they brought, bought from Linda Moulton Howe some metamaterials that she had examined several times already without actually getting to the bottom of it for $35,000. Well, whatever she wasn't able to accomplish herself, one would have to admit, if they're willing to pay $35,000 for that small piece of metal, they must think it's pretty darn important. But let me get to an even larger point that, again, I, I just wish people would step back and, and take in the bigger picture and grasp what's going on. And that's this. The To the Stars Academy is not a limited hangout. It's much, much bigger than that. It is a, a surrogate disclosure program allowed to come together, including former high-level people that are no longer on the direct payroll of the Pentagon or the CIA or Lockheed, and operate and do a number of things. That's way beyond limited hangout. And it's unprecedented. And it's pushing disclosure without question. In other words, and as I've said it many times, because of the To the Stars Academy and everything that's gone down, the military intelligence complex by surrogate is basically leading the disclosure movement at this time. And I assure you, I never expected to ever say that in my lifetime. So there's that. But understand, the military intelligence complex is very large. We don't know how many scores of people are backing these individuals from inside still, under payroll, under various sundry agreements that they simply cannot break. And we don't know how many people inside the military intelligence complex, particularly the Pentagon, 
who utterly hate that this is happening and wish it would all go away. But I can assure you, both groups are substantial. And for that reason, when this was allowed to go forward, and I can assure you it was allowed to go forward, there's some people out there that somehow think this would not have happened unless Tom DeLong used his incredible rhetorical skills and talked some high-level operatives within these agencies to go against the government's desires and form this group. There are people that actually think that. It's utterly ridiculous. This was allowed to go forward and even supported because military intelligence complex wanted to get out in front of the ET issue. I know the, I think I know the reason for that. I won't get into it now because it would just take too long. But they wanted this to happen. However, it wasn't going to happen unless the, the, the group played by the rules. And what were the rules that they were under? What were the restrictions they were under? One, you absolutely will not release classified information. Two, you will not break any non-disclosure agreements. And three, you wouldn't say the word extraterrestrial. You would avoid it like the plague, and they have. Even alien. You certainly wouldn't say extraterrestrials are here. And nobody in that team has. Why? What are those restrictions? Oh, here's another important one. You wouldn't go out and start publicly hanging out with people in the ET research phenomena field. The, the longtime researchers and activists like myself, like Victor, like Richard Dolan and so many others. You couldn't do that. It doesn't matter whether you respected them or not. And why? And you wouldn't go to these conferences. You wouldn't be taking Q&A at these conferences, and they haven't really done that. They've only there's one case where they did it, and it got stopped pretty damn quickly. Stephen, wow. I got to jump in here. We'll uh, we'll take a timeout. Come back, Stephen Bassett from the Paradigm Paradigm Research Group, Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network, uh, back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Just a reminder, top of the hour, we will open up the phone lines. And uh, I'm looking for your predictions for 2020 and uh, beyond. And also a reminder, my uh, podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, Conspiracy Unlimited, new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can listen and subscribe at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com, conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Right now, Stephen Bassett and Victor Vigiani stay with us until the top of the hour as we continue to discuss uh, ET disclosure in uh, 2020. Uh, I just want to move things along a little, uh, a little bit here, but I, we're getting some increasingly bold statements. It, it, things seem to be ratcheting up. For example, in May, again, of 2019, we had the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. It's a long title. The former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, Christopher Mellon, appearing on Fox and Friends and saying the Navy has a right to be concerned about these unexplained sightings. He went on to say, we know that UFOs exist. 
This is no longer an issue. And uh, he, he says the issue is why are they here? Where are they coming from? And what is the technology behind these devices that we are observing? So we are getting these increasingly bold statements. Uh, I just get you to weigh in on that, uh, Victor, the importance of something like that coming from someone like a Christopher Mellon and, and, and what that might portend for the future. Are we going to see more of this in 2020? Well, I think it's a you. You almost uh, t- took some air out of the uh, what I want to talk about. I, I, I was going to bring that up, uh, Richard, just uh, just after the break, with respect to to uh, Christopher Mellon. Um, you, I think listeners need to understand that exactly what you just said—that the United States Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, the third highest intelligence position at the Pentagon. I'll say it again, the third highest intelligence position at the Pentagon comes out and makes these kinds of statements about metamaterials, about zero-point energy, about uh, UAP propulsion systems, about uh, quantum physics, and all of the related types of information that most of us have been um, literally honking the horn of for the past 15 years and you get this kind of individual making these kinds of statements on uh, not only just on YouTube or interviews on Fox, but he's also made these statements on the, uh, the, the, the program on the History Channel on Identified that um, the To the Stars Academy uh, has, has invested literally thousands, if not millions of dollars in, in, in producing and that series alone, if you watch the series, and I'm not sure exactly how that series will proffer itself and become part of history, but it's definitely an indication that To the Stars Academy is very, very serious about what they're talking about. They're, not, they're just not blowing smoke on this. This is not just something that, well, let's just put together a, a series on about UFOs or alien craft or whatever you want to call them. Uh, the, these guys are deadly serious about what they're doing. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind and a lot of other people's minds that uh, this is serious information. So one has to ask the question, uh, why are they doing it? Where are they getting their information from? And the key point that I'd like to make right here is within the Pentagon, and I have this from two different sources, that there are uh, factions within the Pentagon Two, you know, uh, battling factions, if you want to call them, one faction in favor of coming out in in certain terms and or ways with this disclosure kind of cagey announcement, and then another faction saying, no, we're not going to say anything. So my information is that the Pentagon is is totally perplexed about what they're doing. Uh, some want it, and some don't. And I think that the Pentagon has to uh, has to deal with that. They're really in a very difficult, they've put themselves in a very, very difficult position. And uh, national intelligence and and national security is at risk here. So which faction is going to uh, lead the way to say, listen, let's put this forward in a way that journalists, the media, and the general public can understand this? Or... As the as, you know, many people believe within the Pentagon, saying let's just not say anything. So they're they're it's it's a totally contradictory position that they're in. 
So that that's that's where I think we're at with all of that. That to me is the bigger picture. Where will the Pentagon stand on this? Will they go one way or another? And the vacillation that they've shown over the past six months is an indication that you know the Pentagon still will always lie about this. That's my position. Stephen, are we, is one faction uh, going to get an upper hand over the other in 2020, or are we going to continue to see this tug of war? I don't know. If, I don't know if you want to call it a tug of war. Or even a vacillation. Um, uh, they had a pretty much a straightforward, I think, plan. Uh, come forward, make the key announcements, or rather, deliver the well. Come forward, launch the website, launch the money raising um, company. A uh, a uh, what do you call it? A, a public support company raise some money so they can operate and start getting information out. Um, And that was also supposed to happen in November of 2016. What didn't happen is that uh, they didn't didn't launch until October of 2017 because of political developments. Because, and this is what makes this also extremely difficult for people to understand and analyze, is that it just so happened that this extraordinary maneuver by a group within the Pentagon to get on the right side of this issue and advance it under certain rules and protocols coincided with the biggest, messiest, most complicated series of constitutional crises the country has ever faced. All right, I'll jump in there. This is a short segment. We'll come back. I'll get you to pick up on that point. We'll go right back to you, Stephen, on the other side, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, I want to go right back to Stephen Bassett to pick up on that point. Uh, this uh, constitutional crisis you're referring to, the impeachment hearings and so forth, and uh, how that is connected to uh, ET disclosure. In many, 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 many ways. First of all, it's literally consuming the political media so that they got as much attention as they did. Over 500 articles was practically a miracle. But as things intensified down the line, it became more, more increasingly difficult to garner attention. Secondly, there's no doubt in my mind that the next step for them is congressional hearings. We did learn that early this year they started going up on the hill and having secret private meetings with members of uh, committees. Uh, and almost certainly they were having those meetings as preparation for hearings where some of these witnesses, pilots, and everything else would be able to address this issue. We'd finally get the hearings that a lot of people have tried very hard to get for since 1968. That would be a big deal. But those hearings aren't going to happen this year. It could never have happened this year. And that's why they had to keep the meeting secret. And they're not going to happen until the status of the president is resolved long term. Meaning it's known clearly what his status will be for a significant amount of time going forward. And even that will be very difficult. 
This was a, a monkey wrench the size of an aircraft carrier, like the Ninets, thrown into their master plan. That plan was a good plan. They didn't see it coming. And so that's another thing that has made this complex. And when you factor in the wave, the tsunami of disinformation, misinformation, outright hardcore propaganda, foolishness, jokes, hoaxes, and just general comedy that accompanies the political situation in America right now. Are you saying that, Stephen, just to clarify, had we not had these impeachment hearings, we may now be witnessing congressional hearings, public congressional hearings on this very issue, ET disclosure. Saying much more. We the the, the ultimate plan of this of the to the stars academy, fundamental disclosure aspect of that plan was dead on arrival the day Donald Trump was elected. Done, cooked, finished. That they went ahead and, and, and launched anyway, 11 months later, was notable. And I have some thoughts and speculations about why they did that. I can think of a number of reasons, but it, wasn't gonna, it was going to be tough. And not surprisingly, uh, they did pick a time when things were kind of slowing down. Not surprisingly, they put the constitutional crisis in America just ate it up ultimately pushing it into the back burner, pushing it off to the side, except for the, the diehard supporters, the diehard people in the community. I get that. But for us to, to win disclosure, we can't do it by a few hundred researchers and activists storming the Capitol with the pitchforks and torches. We need a huge number of people behind this. That's what congressional hearings can create. And that's dead in the water, indefinitely. And so while that stopped... People are picking at the at the program and finding anything they can to to point out contradictions and negatives and so forth, like they're picking at a Christmas turkey, the last meat on the bones. It's unfortunate, but the list of unfortunate things attached to the last three years of American politics is now practically a mile long. So that's just the way it is. I'd like to ask Steve. Uh, for his, his his reflections on two things, and they're they're, they're related. First of all, um, the the report that Representative uh, in Congress Mark Walker, uh, a Republican from North Carolina, uh, sent a letter to the Navy Secretary, uh, who is now defunct, Richard Spencer, uh, requesting more information about the source of unidentified aerial phenomenon. This, you know, the representative sent a letter to the Secretary of Defense in yes. the Navy. Um, it, it, a, a very important letter in, in my assessment. It, there's that one, and then I'm going to juxtapose that letter, Steve, with um, this incredible level of coverage that Fox News, uh, Mr. Tucker Carlson, has, has, has embarked upon, and he's relentlessly covering the whole UFO issue. Uh, w- with uh, with unrelenting uh, coverage over the, over the past uh, six to eight months. Um, how are those two things related in terms of media and government wanting to find out more? What's going on with these with these two entities uh, looking for more information uh, in the way that they are? First of all, we have to distinguish between how hardcore researchers and activists like you and I see those things and how the rest of the public does. Mm-hmm. We see them as extremely important. The vast number of public could care less. They're not that important. 
right? right? But they're important to us because it does represent a progress of sorts, and it's fixed, it's permanent, it's going to be on the record. And so what Walker did was he made a legitimate response to a uh, briefing that he got from the pilots. He's one of the many that have been briefed on the Hill. And by doing that, he acknowledged and made it clear that he had been briefed, which is why I'm able to say now that there were briefings that took place, though I don't know the total number of members of Congress that were briefed. And that was good. And he sent this appropriate letter to Spencer. And then he didn't get the response he wanted. He kind of complained about it. But then he shut up. I assure you, that's, that's buried. Right? But it was a nice moment. We need moments a thousand times bigger than that moment. Right, and then right. as far as the other matter, oh, God, t- help me. Um, uh, what was the other point you made? Tuck, besides uh, that Tucker, Carl- the, the Tucker, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Okay. Right. Reporting Tucker Carlson. on this relentlessly. He's, he's interviewed yeah, just about anybody and everybody with respect to this. And he's asking really good questions, Steve. And you know the that. The Tucker Carlson thing is, is kind of amusing to me. Uh, yes, Tucker Carlson has jumped on this issue. And yes... That has given it some prominence. It certainly gave a hell of a lot of promise to Nick Pope, which ended up becoming a significant feature in the countdown to disclosure. Ancient Aliens virtually took over that show, which is fine. What's that really about? I'll tell you what it's about. Tucker Carlson is utterly reviled by people on the left and a lot of centrists. Hated, despised. He is one of the most, one of the crudest in some cases, one of the most complete uh, blanket blind supporters of the president. More importantly, he has his ear. He actually talks to him. He's, he's a president whisperer. And so he gets a huge amount of awful email and Twitters and so forth. And that's the way it is now. If you're reviled out there, a whole lot of people are going to tell you just how reviled you are. And it's not fun being hated. And when this story broke, Tucker got into it. He wasn't the only one. He got into it, and he, he uh, because it was a very interesting story. And when he did, and he brought somebody on, guess what? He got some very nice responses. He got people saying, great, good on, Tucker. And he, yeah. he was so used to being actually barbecued, except for the people on the right, which, of course, would give him all the praise. But it's, you know, it's not enough to compensate when fairly smart people are still absolutely trashing on a daily basis. Um, he said, I like that. I want more of that. And so he started covering it even more. And is he... And he even brought it up to an interview to the president very lightly. Right? Nothing big, but he brought it up in an interview. And, and, and so he's kind of doing his part in a way. But I assure you, it's not like Tucker Carlson has now committed himself to getting mm-hmm. uh, a transparency from the government on this issue in a major way. Because on a whole range of other issues that are not dissimilar than this, he has usually the absolute medieval approach yeah <laughs> well i would it I, is, I would i would have to stand up for tucker i watch him on a nightly basis uh anyway he's doing more than most uh in this regard so i think we have to give him credit for that however we are uh, out of time uh, 
we will um, hopefully pick this up on the other side in 2020 and uh, let's see what happens. Stephen Bassett, Victor Vigiani, thank you so much for this. Appreciate your time. Always great to be with you. Luck. I've been in the hospital for three days. I'll hit the operating table tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. All the best. Our prayers are with you, Stephen. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. That's a trooper. My gosh. All right. Uh, when we come back, open lines, your predictions for 2020 right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Happy New Year to all of you listening in on our flagship station, AM 740, 96.7 FM, Zoomer Radio in Toronto. And to those of you listening in on one of our affiliates, all of you streaming us live at zoomerradio.ca and the uh, YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Again, Happy New Year. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines this hour, the final hour of the conspiracy show for 2019 and the final hour of the conspiracy show for the decade. And I'd like your predictions for 2020. As I said earlier, they could be in the uh, political realm, either domestic or foreign. They could be related to earth changes. They could be related to ufology. They could be spiritual. Uh, Maybe you have a prediction about the economy or uh, the economy or something to do with scientific discovery. Let me give you the phone numbers right now, and we'll get this uh, going. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. That's the greater Toronto area. And toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740. 4740. Again, toll free 1 866 740 4740. Your predictions for 2020. We don't have to limit it to predictions, however. If you have uh, a suggestion for an upcoming show, if you have a comment about a previous show, if you wanted to comment on the previous hour, I'm game for all of that and much more. But let me just give you some of my predictions uh, for 2020, and I'll uh, I'll circle back and revisit some of these a bit later. Uh, but I'm going to ask, or I'm going to call for, or I'm going to predict, I should say, I'm going to predict regime change in Iran. The, uh, the economic sanctions uh, continue to tighten in Iran. Uh, they are now importing um, much of their energy needs. They... Uh, as you can well imagine, things on the street are not uh, not good. Massive protests, 1,500 uh, um, protesters uh, killed by uh, Iranian uh, security forces. And uh, I just I can't see this continuing for much longer. I, I actually believe towards the latter stages of 2020, we could see the uh, the mullahs 
head for the hills and replaced, hopefully, uh, by a, um, a democratic regime that's a little more uh, friendly towards the West, shall we say. So that's prediction number one, regime change in Iran. Uh, next, no surprise here, but these uh, yellow vest protests are going to continue throughout 2020 in France, other parts of uh, Europe. I see that movement spreading. Uh, and I also see a, I'm going out on a limb on this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to say there will be a peaceful resolution to the, uh, the Hong Kong democracy protests. I believe that the regime of president, president, uh, Z in China, they will acquiesce. They will agree to enough of the demands of the protesters that that situation will be diffused peacefully. I also see China and America formally signing an historic trade agreement. This is being referred to as phase one. And I'm going to predict in 2020, China will release Canadians, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaver. Uh, no thanks to the prime minister. I think this will be a goodwill gesture. Of course, uh, Trudeau will take credit, but I think it'll be a goodwill gesture uh, from the Chinese. And I'm also going to predict that at least one other country in 2020 will announce plans for a referendum on whether to exit or remain within the European Union. I'm also going to predict that polling in Canada and the United States and in Europe will continue to show increasing skepticism regarding man-made global warming. I think we're going to see some surprising numbers in terms of the polls and just how many people no longer fully buy into man-made global warming. This one's a pretty safe bet. Western alienation is going to continue to grow in Canada. Polls inside Alberta will indicate support for separation from the rest of Canada at 40%. 40% of Albertans will indicate in polls sometime in 2020 they are willing to separate from the rest of Canada. I'm also going to go out on a limb and predict in 2020, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will step down. It's going to happen during the summer. There'll be more scandals that come to light. And he'll announce that it's time to step away, focus on his family, the usual, right? The usual excuses that are offered up. In fact, it'll be more likely that he'll be pushed than he'll jump. Uh, but uh, I'm predicting that's going to happen sometime in 2020. I'm also predicting that Nancy Pelosi, the, uh, the U.S. Speaker of the House of Representatives, will resign. And she's going to do this because the radical left wing of the de Democratic Party is going to continue to push for yet another impeachment hearing in the House. The Senate will exonerate the president. But the Democrats, at least the radical left wing fringe, which is really, uh, you know, running that parade, they are going to push for another impeachment. Pelosi never wanted to go along with this. She knew it was a mistake, but essentially she got forced into it. She's not going to stand for a, 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 another go around. She will resign. She'll she'll throw in the towel. And I'm also going to predict huge medical research breakthroughs for Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. All right, that's, uh, that's a short list of some of my predictions for uh, 2020. All right, 
Let's say hi to uh, Michael in Newmarket. Michael, Happy New Year. Welcome happy to the New Year show. to you. I guess I haven't talked to you for a few months. Oh, you were taking away my out-on-the-limb prediction. Nobody else has predicted this, that Donald Trump will be reelected with a bigger, you know, more states to be added, and the Republicans will control both houses. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe prediction, barring some economic <laughs> cataclysm, some deep, deep recession, which doesn't seem to be likely at this point. Uh, yes, I don't think there's any question that uh, Donald Trump will be uh, elected. Not only will he win the Electoral College, but he'll also win the uh, the popular vote this time out. I, I think that's a uh, that's a pretty solid prediction, Michael. Yeah. Now, the other thing I want to tell you about is... Uh, uh, you had Hugh Ross on a few months ago on Coast to Coast. I wasn't sure what book he was uh, promoting. Now, there is another guy that works for him. Now, too bad I don't remember his name. He was on a, an evangelical program called Key Life by Steve Brown. So it's mostly to born-again Christians and all that out there. The name of his book is Who Was Adam? And uh, so he works for Reasons to Believe. It's all about, you know, uh, whether or not Adam was some crossbreed or something like that. But since you don't find out very much about it, uh, it's, mostly, it's mostly a Christian program. So you never, I never really really found out anything about it i don't remember the guy's name uh you mean the gentleman that wrote the book who was adam yeah yeah uh i'm not i'm not familiar with uh with that gentleman myself you're right um hugh ross uh was on uh, coast to coast with me several months ago i don't yeah. think he had a new book out at the time but we were talking about uh, you know, uh, cosmology from a from a Christian uh, viewpoint. In fact, it was uh, in the physics, which I didn't follow. Right. Ah, now wait a minute. Uh, who was Adam? I'm, I just I pulled up a copy of the book online, and it the uh, the it's a co-author, Fazel Rana. Fazel uh, Rana. F A Z A L E. Fazel or Fazela Rana. And oh, he wrote that, that sounds like it. Yeah, he's a right. young chemist, and like I said, uh, most of the interview with uh, uh, Steve Brown, uh, evangelical Christian in Florida, was uh, mostly about uh, accepting Jesus as your Savior, that uh, Adam uh, and Eve sinned and all that. But there seemed to be one uh, a kind of thing uh, about... Uh, um, you know, whether or not, uh, again, um, you know, the, the other forms of man were outside the garden or not. So right. let me just a read a, here's an excerpt. Here's an excerpt. So people know what you're talking about, Michael, this is, uh, sort of a, a summary of who was Adam. And again, the co-author was Fazale Rana with Hugh Ross. Who was Adam? Was he the result of still ongoing natural processes or a unique creation? Ten years ago, in the first edition of Who Was Adam, biochemist Fazale Rana and astronomer Hugh Ross proposed a groundbreaking new approach to probe questions about human origins. 
This approach, which they've called the testable creation model, advanced the radical idea that the traditional biblical view of Adam and Eve has scientific credibility. So that's uh, that in a nutshell uh, is what who was Adam all about. It's an intriguing idea. I got the impression on this show that because uh, Steve Brown's audience is, you know, six day creation and all that, they didn't really want to, you know, bother the author very much about. Uh, uh, they didn't uh, want to delve into that. I see. Creation I or anything like that. All right. Michael, great to hear from you. I hope you have a terrific 2020. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Let's say hi to Jim in Toronto. Happy New Year, Jim. Hi, Richard. How are you? Very well. Yourself, sir. I'm okay. Um, just wanted to thank you for uh, 10 years of your service. Thank you. Uh, thank I've been you. listening for about uh, eight or nine. That's for sure. Wow, you're a dedicated and loyal listener. I appreciate that. Uh, me and my mother. Ah, well, God bless her, and please say hello for me. Uh, um, you were saying something about climate change. Yes, one of my predictions, and this is just based on trends. This is not really going out on a limb, but I, I'm predicting that uh, we're going to continue to see polling uh, in North America, in Europe, for example, uh, that 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 will show an increasing skepticism about man-made global warming. That's my, my prediction. It has, to, it has to do with the oceans. That's the reason that we're having this uh, the climate change, because all the polar caps and stuff like that. Right. Well, um, I know that you know the oceans do release a lot of uh, of uh, carbon dioxide. That's certainly true, um, but. The, the real stickler for me is the real problem with the, the data is I, I don't see, I have not seen, I doubt I will ever see data that can demonstrate that carbon dioxide drives temperature. It's simply not there. It's not in the data. Okay. Do you have any predictions, Jim, for 2020? Uh, I just hope that everyone can have this Peace and that's about it. Nothing that's what we that. all pray for, my friend. Yes, we all want peace. We all want prosperity. We want good health. That's it. And I wish uh, I wish all of those things for you and yours, Jim. Thank you so much for the call. I hope you have a great 2020. Uh, and best too, to your. Sir. Thank you very much. All right, and Bye. best to mom. Thank you. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty four one six. 360-0740. That's in the greater Toronto area. And toll free from just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. And we're looking for your uh, predictions for 2020. Or if you have a comment about a previous show, the previous hour, if you want to comment in, on any of my predictions, uh, and I can go through those again with you quickly. If you have one of your own, if you have a, a guest suggestion or a show suggestion for 2020, uh, then I would love to hear it. So let me just run through uh, my predictions again. I'm, I'm uh, predicting regime change in Iran sometime in 2020. Uh, now, whether the whether it's fully formed, this new regime in 2020, I don't know. But let me just say I'm predicting 
the present regime will be toppled. Uh, you know, the mullahs that essentially these Muslim clerics that essentially run Iran and have for the last 40 years, I'm going to predict uh, that that regime will be toppled. Now, there may be a transition period. I don't know, before some group or some individual steps up and, and takes over. And there may be, who knows, a back and forth. Maybe there'll be a counter-revolution. Maybe there'll be several years of instability and, and civil war. Uh, I certainly don't hope that that's the case, but I would certainly welcome uh, regime change in Iran, regime change that happens from within. However, let me be clear about that. So I am predicting uh, the, the current regime in Iran will be toppled in 2020. That's going out on a limb a little bit. I don't know if I want to affix a probability to that. Uh, I would say it's probably, let's say, in the, in, in the low 20% range. Uh, regime change in North Korea. Uh, that's, that's kind of an interesting uh, proposition uh, that Kim Jong-un will be uh, pushed. I can't imagine him stepping down. Uh, you know, will he meet some mysterious end? Uh, will 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 uh, North Korean state radio switch over to classical music, and uh, or announce that uh, uh, the uh, the young um, Rocket Man has a cold, and then we won't hear from him for several months, uh, and then he'll be usurped by an uncle, or there'll be some sort of a power struggle in North Korea. And uh, I think that'll uh, also be a result of the tightening of these uh, sanctions. The key for Kim Jong-un to stay in power is to be able to lavish uh, luxuries on the people around him. In other words, to be able to buy uh, their loyalty, to buy their support. Uh, because once that's gone, when, when he can no longer bribe them with a new Mercedes Benz or uh, you know, a new Rolex watch or whatever – when he doesn't have that ability anymore, or when uh, those people just tire of him, that'll be it. Uh, does that mean that whoever replaces him will be will be better? No, not necessarily. But I'm going to I'm going to predict that uh, uh, Kim Jong Un will uh, will be replaced in North Korea sometime in 2020. Although we may not formally hear about it until I don't know 2021 or even later. All right, uh, Jim is in Michigan. I want you to hold on, Jim, because we're coming up against the break here. And uh, I don't want to, uh, to give you short shrift. I want you to have a full, uh, a full chance to, uh, to give us your predictions or say whatever you want to say. Jim from Michigan will be with us in a moment. Just let me very quickly run through the rest of my predictions. Uh, I also predict that the Yellow Vest protests will continue through 2020 in France. In fact, they will intensify. We'll see them in other parts of Europe. Whether that will lead to uh, Prime Minister Macron or President Macron stepping down in France, that's possible. That's possible. I don't see the government resigning. I don't see new elections. Uh, it's possible, however, that Macron will decide enough is enough and he'll step aside. Uh, but the Yellow Vest protests will continue and they will intensify. And I'm also predicting a peaceful resolution. This is good news. Hopefully this comes to fruition. A peaceful resolution to the protests in Hong Kong, where those people have just been incredibly brave, so courageous, waving their American flags, singing the national anthem. I think protesters on this side of the pond have a thing or two to learn from uh, those brave young men and women over in Hong Kong who really appreciate 
uh, freedom. All right, we'll uh, get to more of your calls, open lines, and your predictions for 2020 right here on The Conspiracy Show. Call in and join in. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. All right. Welcome back. And again, Happy New Year. Our last conspiracy show of uh, the year and of the decade, just days away from a new decade. And uh, we are getting your predictions for 2020 and beyond. If you want to extend that uh, beyond the 2020 calendar year, these things not, aren't necessarily going to come to fruition in the 12-month calendar year. Some may take a little bit longer, but we may see definite signs of you know, some of these things moving forward. And then you know, the, the, the actual completion will happen sometime later. And that may be true of, uh, for example, I'm, I'm predicting regime change in Iran, uh, regime change in North Korea. Uh, what else? Oh, I mentioned uh, the China and America uh, will sign an historic trade agreement. We know they're on the cusp. There have been some bumps along the road, uh, but it looks like that's phase one uh, is going to happen fairly soon. And uh, I'm also saying that China, I'm predicting China will release Canadians, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaver. I don't know, maybe President Z will be in a, uh, a conciliatory mood. Uh, China faces some severe economic uh, problems of its own, demographic problems. China has big problems. Let's face it. Every country does. But uh, uh, so, you know, China may want to uh, appear a little more congenial, conciliatory. And uh, perhaps one way that they could do that is to release Michael Kovrig and, and Michael Spaver, who have been held for too long and uh, practically nothing in, in my mind has been done. Uh, I, I, I heard an interview recently with our prime minister and he said that he called Xi six months ago. That Can you imagine? That was the last conversation they had uh, with, with regards to Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaver. Six months. Inexcusable. All right. Uh, let's say hello to uh, Jim is in Michigan. Hey, Jim, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Happy New Year. Yes, and happy holidays and good health to you, Mr. Sirrett. Uh, the Thank name you. is Jeff. I, I don't oh, know how Jeff. You're, yeah, your your caller got that wrong, but uh, I want to predict that there will still be no disclosure of UFOs uh, from the uh, United States government in 2020. All right. Do you want to extend that out? Do you have uh, to 2021, 2022? Well, uh, we'll go with 2020. I mean, uh, th- despite right. any sightings of that, that might be you know spectacular. That they'll still deny, continue to deny that, or co- have cover-up stories. Uh, I'd also like to make a prediction about the election coming up here in the U.S. Uh, for you, you mean the uh, the 2022? Uh, or uh, yeah, 2020. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Wait, this is the fourth year for uh, Trump, I think, here, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so let me see. Our, November, our sorry, November. Election. Sorry, 2020. November yeah. 2020. My apologies. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, I'm predicting that Elizabeth Warren and uh, will uh, 
if she doesn't, well, yeah, she'll win the Democratic nomination, and she will choose Andrew Yang as her vice presidential running mate. Now, that's interesting. Andrew Yang has certainly, uh, he hasn't, he hasn't really moved the needle in terms of his support, but he is an interesting an interesting candidate with some very fresh ideas, many of which I disagree with strongly, but at least he's not just out there uh, bashing Trump. He's actually coming to the fore with some some concrete ideas. He's an ideas guy, isn't he? Well, I wouldn't exactly say that um, Elizabeth Warren isn't a person who has plans. <laughs> she's not. A, I'm sorry. She's not a person who has plans. Uh, she she's not a person who doesn't have plans. She oh no, she's very plans, ambitious. So. She's very ambitious. Yeah, I no would question. say the two of them. That's my prediction. It'll be Elizabeth Warren running on the Democratic ticket with Andrew Yang chosen as her vice presidential candidate. Why do you think she'll go with? It's an interesting prediction, Jeff. Why do you think she would choose Yang? I I'm only going by my gut feeling. Oh, everything okay. is going on. I think I think it's the voters that are going to decide that that combination works out real well for them. All right, fascinating. That's a great that's a great prediction. I like that. All right, and well, I happen you, to agree with you that there will not be UFO disclosure in 2020. Although, as we were talking about in the in the first hour with Stephen Bassett and Victor Vigiani, when you have the third ranking Pentagon official, at least that's how Victor described him. I, I don't know how he would rank, but Victor says he's the third-ranking Pentagon official. This is the former Deputy Assistant Secretary Secretary of Defense saying that UFOs are real. That's getting awfully close to disclosure. So what does it require? If it's not the third-ranking member of Pentagon, what if it's the second-ranking? Uh, you know, at what point do we declare official disclosure? Jeff, thanks again for the call, and a uh, happy new year. I also want to extend an invite to those of you in the YouTube chat, if you have a question or a prediction. Uh, so let's do that right now. In fact, uh, Richard in the YouTube chat wants to know my prediction on who will be the next Conservative Party of Canada leader. First of all, uh, the idea that they're going to wait until November for a leadership race, I just think that's a that's a a bad or an ill-advised idea. I mean, I don't think it's likely uh, that we'll see an election before then, but it is possible. It's possible. Uh, the The liberals might say, you know what? Uh, all of the other parties, their um, their bank accounts are pretty low. They don't have the war coffer uh, to fight another election. And here we have the conservatives, very vulnerable. They've got a, uh, a lame duck leader in Andrew Scheer who's stepping down. Maybe now's the time to call an election. That doesn't seem likely, but it's a possibility. Uh, but who do I think uh, will be the next conservative leader? I can tell you uh, a name that I would like to see, and that's Pierre Polyev. I have uh, I've seen him in question period. I've seen him in press conferences. I think he is... Um, articulate. I, I like his uh, his policies. Uh, I also like the fact that he seems to drive the liberals crazy. If if there's one name that pops up that seems to trigger trigger uh, those in the liberal party, it's Pierre Polyev because he's been he's been like a pit bull 
uh, in question period. And uh, so if he's triggering the Liberal Party, then I think that might be a good choice for the Conservatives uh, to pick him. But I think uh, um, uh, Jim, Baird, Jim Baird, is it Jim or John Baird, might also be uh, someone to watch out for. I don't think Peter McKay, um, I think he may want the job, but I, I just don't think he's the man for the job. I just think he is uh, – Maybe perceived as too much of the old guard. He's not forthright enough. Um, I think we need someone who is going to uh, to captivate people's imaginations, captivate their attention. And I think Polyev, just his his rhetorical skills alone, I think are just exemplary. And I think he would be a formidable formidable uh, candidate. So uh, there you go, Richard. Now. Uh, Nicholas in the YouTube chat wants a prediction on the Epstein investigation. Great question. And I thought about uh, uh, weighing in there. I just haven't really been able to formulate a prediction. Unfortunately, uh, I think that story is going to be kind of forgotten. You know how these news cycles work. Uh, it was, uh, it's, it continues to be a very important story. And uh, I just I, I don't think the media is going to is going to pursue it. And there are all sorts of people out there still connected with Epstein who are still alive, who still know things. Uh, and, and I think there's still an important investigation to be done. I just don't think the media is going to pick up on it. So my prediction, I guess, having said all that, would be that the Epstein story is going to be buried like so many others. That's the sad truth. Uh, let's say hello to Melanie in Toronto. Happy New Year, Melanie. A blessed New Year and a blessed, if they're celebrating the Eastern. I don't know if the Greeks still celebrate uh, January the 6th and 7th. Older, the old calendar. Yeah. Uh, the old calendar, uh, Greek Orthodox celebrate in January, but uh, uh, the rest of the Orthodox celebrate along with everyone else December 25th. That's right. Well, I, I'm hoping our also our Eastern European churches will do the same. Uh, but anyways, I have a prediction for you. Okay. I believe that the Americans are going to steal you away from us this year. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Uh, you are very much in the same line. As Mr. Nori, you have that same kindness in your tone of voice. You have the understanding of the uh, listener, whether, you know, they make you laugh or cry or none at all of the above. So I think that they're going to really, I just hope we can hold on to you here. Um, and the second That's very kind. Well, let me just respond to that, Melanie, because that's a very generous uh, thing for you to say. It's true. Uh, well, we'll just, I'll, just, I'll just say I, I personally don't see that happening. I'm very happy. Uh, and blessed to be here in Canada with my family and everything that this country has to offer. Uh, I hope to continue to uh, sort of do spot duty and continue to guest host on uh, Coast to Coast AM, but to do it from right here in Toronto, it's really the best of both worlds. So um, my prediction is that that's going to continue to happen. But that's very kind of you uh, to say that, Melanie. Thank you. Any other predictions? Did we lose Melanie? All right. All right. That was uh, very nice. So your predictions for 2020 and beyond. Also, if you uh, if you have a, a suggestion for a future program or you'd like to comment on a previous program, even the previous hour on uh, on ET disclosure, would love to hear from you. 416 
416-360-0740. Now that's in the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. If you're outside the greater Toronto area, outside the GTA, then you can use the toll-free line. And it's good for just about anywhere, certainly within North America. And that's one 866 740 1-866-740-4740. And just a reminder, I'm also uh, taking uh, questions and predictions from our, uh, our loyal supporters and uh, listeners in the YouTube chat. And uh, my man, my live stream producer, Ryan, is uh, manning that. So if you've got a prediction or a question and you're in the YouTube chat, uh, Ryan will facilitate that and he'll send those to me as, uh, as soon as he can. I wanted to mention something. Um, it's not a prediction. It, it's in the, uh, the realm of synchronicities or coincidences, which happens to be one of my favorite topics, certainly the synchronicities. Uh, and I'll, I'll mention that when we come back. I'll talk to you about it. It just happened today, in fact. And uh, maybe we can open up a discussion on that as well. Synchronicities. Uh, Back with more of The Conspiracy Show and your calls right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right. uh, Welcome back. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, uh, but I mentioned it, so I better follow through. And I have a lot of people waiting on the phone uh, phone lines uh, to get through. Um, This is a little synchronicity that happened. So I was online yesterday and um, I was looking up images to do with my father's old regiment. My father served in the Second World War. He was a tank gunner with the Fort Gary Horse, which is in Winnipeg. They were a cavalry unit during the First World War, and they were an armored regiment in the Second World War. And he was, as I say, a tank gunner. And uh, Fort Gary Horse uh, and um, the, 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 the tank or the division my father was part of were instrumental in liberating Holland. And... Um, and so I have his uniform. My mother gave me his uniform. I have his beret. I have the cap badge. I have the uh, the dress uniform. I have um, a book called The Vanguard that was written by various members of Fort Gary Horse, including my father. They they were like log entries talking about the uh, the liberation of Holland. And so I was going to I'm going to arrange all of this in some sort of a curio cabinet, but I'm not sure exactly how to do it. I also have a a beautiful model uh, Sherman tank that was made uh, by a friend of the family for me, the exact replica of the the, the tank that my father was in. So I want to put all of these into a nice curio cabinet and display them properly and and, and give proper uh, honor to to my, my father who passed away in 1986. So I was online looking for images uh, of curio cabinets and how do they arrange these things. And then I kind of got sidetracked and I thought, well, It'd be interesting to see some pictures of Fort Gary uh, horse tanks in Holland during the liberation. 
So I started looking at those. And in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, geez, I wonder if I enlarge these pictures. Maybe I'll catch a glimpse of my father. You know, what are the odds, right? So I was doing that. And before I knew it, like an hour and a half, two hours had gone by. And um, so that was that. Was that. that was yesterday. And then uh, today I'm at the grocery store and my eldest sister, Nancy, calls me. And uh, she says, I just sent you an email. Have a look at it. Give me your thoughts. Because I, this kind of a cryptic measure or a cryptic message, give me your thoughts because I think I want to act on it. All right. Well, that had my uh, attention. So I quickly went into my email and here it was. It was a link to a website called inourfathersfootsteps.com, a World War II Dutch liberation pilgrimage, April 29th to May 11th, 2020, the Netherlands. You can choose nine or 13 days. Follow the routes taken by our Canadian troops. In Our Father's Footsteps is a not-for-profit Camino-inspired pilgrimage for the Canadian descendants of World War II veterans of the liberation of the Netherlands. In Our Father's Footsteps is a spiritual, cultural, and educational event that includes a 60-kilometer walk over three days along the routes of the Canadian liberators together with heartfelt commemorations and joyful festivities coinciding with the liberation's 75th anniversary. So there you go. Uh, my sister wants to go. She wants me to go, perhaps my brother, and we would trace uh, the, um, the World War veterans, which included our father, through the, uh, the liberation of the Netherlands, which ha- happened 75 years ago uh, this coming May. So I thought, my word, that's, is that a coincidence or what? I had no idea this event was happening. But I, as I say, I was online for a good hour and a half, two hours yesterday looking at this very thing. And I swear I did not see online a hint of this event in our father's footsteps. And then my sister contacts me today proposing that we fly to Holland in May uh, to take part in, these, uh, in this wonderful uh, celebration. All right. That's my piece on uh, synchronicities. Uh, let's go back to the phones and say hello to... Uh, James is checking in from Toronto. Happy New Year, James. Yeah, hi there, Richard. Hi. Yeah, my um, prediction is um, um, like a more communist uprising in uh, in China. Um, they're struggling in missionary uh, in missionary in China, and um, Christianity in China is not so. Christianity in China is not doing so well. I don't think they want anybody above the the uh, communist power. Um, because I, I know somebody who is um, a teacher at the um, Beijing Dublin International College, and um, he um, works very hard there uh, doing lectures with his students, and uh, he says that there's always a spy in the classroom uh, keeping notes. So if you say anything politically incorrect that the Chinese, the, uh, that the Chinese government might not like, then um, they might take some sort of action against uh, that person. So it's getting more and more dangerous. So um, this is the Baptist Church, and uh, he is um, getting scared of um, being there. And uh, him and his wife, they, they are going back. They're back here in Toronto for their Christmas holidays, but they are going back to uh, China, to the Beijing uh, Dublin International College, but uh, maybe only until June, because um, the new, there's a new communist uh, ruler, and he wants to rule uh, in, in China for the rest of his life, and he's really bringing the uh, communist regime back to China, so he really 
is against Christianity in China. So that's right. my Well, my you say it's not doing well. The, the, I've, I've read and heard from a number of sources that, that, uh, um, that the fastest growing Christian community in the world is, in fact, is happening in China. It, it's happening, you know, underground and so forth. But you're right. They are clamping down on it. And um, in terms of President Xi, I don't know. China has sort of morphed from I don't know that they necessarily adhere to communist ideals anymore. I just I, I tend to look at them more as being just fascistic and tyrannical. And what I worry about is that, uh, you know, there are a lot of a lot of politicians in in these parts of the world in Canada, the United States that look to China as kind of a model on, on how to control people. That's what's frightening to me. Uh, but you're right. It is a it's a dangerous place. There are so many brave uh, Christians around the world uh, that are uh, well, Nigeria. Just you know, Christians being slaughtered by the thousands. Uh, it's um, it's truly horrific what is happening, and and no one, uh, well, very few people are are speaking out. I noticed Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister in the UK, during his Christmas address, uh, at least had the courage to mention that. But uh, God bless them in China, and I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're wrong. I hope uh, that the the Christianity continues to flourish in China. All right, yeah. we'll take a timeout. Come back. More calls await on the other side, right here on the Conspiracy Show. The truth is not out there; it's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarr from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Last call to the phones for 2019 on The Conspiracy Show. And uh, let's say hi to, I'm going to jump over uh, around here a little bit. I'm going to go to Sal, uh, who's in Guelph this morning. Sal, Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year, Richard. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call, and I appreciate your show very much. My pleasure. Richard, I'm a first-time caller, and I'm just a little bit nervous. But uh, talking about synchronicity, <laughs> while waiting for you to take my call, you, uh, your ad was, did the devil make you call? <laughs> and uh, my call has to do with that. I was just wondering, um, is there anything that has been um, released or new on the Lenin prophecies? Are you the which prophecies? I believe I heard it on your show years ago. Which prophecies? It was called the Lenin prophecies. Oh, the, oh John Lennon, as yeah. in the Lenin prophecies. Yeah. Uh, anything new? Yes. Well, um, I inter- I went back and I interviewed that gentleman. I'll try to find his name here in a moment. Um, I had a podcast for about 10 months called The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, and wow. we did an episode on uh, Lennon's murder. Yes. So I went back and interviewed him. And I'm trying to remember, I think that book's been out for what, maybe six, seven years? Yes, I guess uh, so, yes. Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't recall whether the I asked that gentleman uh, whether he was working on a new book, but I I don't I don't seem to recall any new information. Now let me find out the name of that guy, the uh, Lenin prophecy. Yes, um, it was. And uh, basically, it was, it was, it was a lot of foreshadowing. That much. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, an examination of a lot of the foreshadowing in Lenin's music. Uh, which seemed to indicate, you know, like at some level, maybe he knew he was going to die a violent death. Uh, the book was called The Lenin Prophecy, A New Examination of the Death Clues of the Beetle. And it's Jesif, uh, Joseph Nizgoda, or Nezgoda. Je- Joseph Nizgoda uh, is the author. And uh, he was a great guest. I should have him back on at okay. some point. <laughs> okay, but, I guess that's it. Uh, 
All right. Well, well thank you so much, Sal. Again, Richard, I appreciate you very much. And thanks for taking my call. My pleasure, Sal. I'm a, I'm a first time caller, and I'm glad to be on your show. Oh, and I'm glad to have you. God bless you. I hope you'll call again. Thanks, Richard. Now, uh, I almost forgot, uh, as time ticks down, I hope he's still uh, listening. Uh, George from Richmond Hill, uh, your brother up at uh, All Saints Church mentioned that you're a faithful listener to the show. And uh, I, gosh, I hope you're still up because I, I, was, I mentioned, I, or I meant to mention it. I wanted to say hello, George from Richmond Hill. You know who you are. Uh, your brother from uh, All Saints Church, where I attend. Uh, mentioned that you were a faithful listener. So thank you and a happy new year uh, to you. Let's say hi to uh, Jerry is in Toronto. Jerry, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Happy New Year. Thank you very much, Richard. I have a pleasure to speak with you. Likewise. Okay. Uh, I'll kind of make it short if I can. Um, the, The reason for my call, it's kind of onerous for the simple reason that I was an addict with the Toronto Star, you know, and it was a Monday to Friday uh, publication. As yes. opposed to the normal paper that's out seven days a week, including the Saturday Sunday edition. But right. however, they've ceased publishing as of the 20th of December. So that means for the simple thing that it gives a lot of information in a nutshell, if you haven't got time to go perusing the, the, the large edition of the copy of the Star, uh, you're going to be missing out on an awful lot of important news. And um, it's just another one of those things where they want to hit me on the jaw again, you know? Well, wait a second, just so I understand, because I don't uh, subscribe to the Star. So, okay. are you saying they're ceasing publication of the weekend paper? No, no, no. On the Monday to Friday, you remember if you saw, if you see the Metro Toronto paper, it's called yes. the Metro Toronto Star. Oh yes, yes. Oh, as I see what you're saying. The Metro, the yes, the Daily Metro, Star, right? Yes, the Metro. Yes. Okay. Well, the normal paper is going to be regularly publishing seven days a week, but they had right. an introductory paper, and you can still subscribe. I think for two or three months, but uh, after that time, uh, it's going to be gone. Uh, before it was complimentary, you know, at the boxes. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. But okay. I, but I just feel that uh, for the simple reason that a lot of people are not going to be as informed as they could be, and it's just like another, um, how can I say it, a nail in the coffin. Well, uh, you know, newspapers around the world are really struggling to find a business model that works uh, because, you know, their circulation is falling. Advertising is falling. uh, They're trying to go online, but nobody wants to pay uh, online to read. You get maybe three, you know, three free stories and then you have to subscribe. No one wants to do that. So, uh, I mean, I I think this is sort of the beginning of the – the beginning of the middle of the end or the beginning of the end I understand uh, completely for, for, what you're for newspapers. Saying. But, I, say, uh, I understand yeah. completely what you're saying and I sympathize. Right. Well, um, you know, there are lots of other, there's some great information online, other newspapers that publish for free online. And right. I, let me ask you this, and I'm not, this yeah. is not meant to be an advertisement, but I've been very impressed with the Epoch Times lately. Have you checked out the Epoch yeah, Times? No, that's gone too. That used to be available through so most of the subway stations, but um, yes. they, they, uh, I think I saw one of the last copies before they ceased. Uh, however, it basically said that if you want to subscribe, you could. Now, I think it's out, out of Vancouver. I'm not really certain of that, but that might be the case. However, well, they're all over the it's place. not they're free all over anymore. There. It's gone, you know? Okay, well, you may have to bite the bullet and maybe subscribe online. There you go, right? No, it's just another way of, of keeping you in the dark. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> to have to say that, but... 
Jerry, great to hear from you. Thank you so much for your call. Happy Thank New you. Year. Thank you. Appreciate your show. I appreciate you. Thank you. Adrian is in Scarborough this morning. Good morning and Happy New Year, Adrian. Morning. Happy New Year, Richard. First time caller. Oh, welcome. Just had a very quick prediction for you. Actually, it's a two-part prediction. All right. 2020. It may kind of go against a couple of your predictions, though, but I'll throw That's it out right. there anyway. Um, so first one, uh, Brexit will go through this year, finally. Yes. That's not yes. too, that's kind of obvious. Um, but maybe the not so obvious part is related to that. I predict that this will actually present the European Union as a more stronger body uh, on the geopolitics scene. And uh, in particular, um, I'm predicting that this is a part that goes against your prediction, but uh, okay. that Emmanuel Macron will actually solidify himself as the sort of the the new leader of the free world, sort of the face of not only Europe, but also the West. And I don't say that as a supporter of his, just uh, just in terms of observing how things go. So that's that. Right. No, you're, that's an interesting prediction. It does. You're right. It, it, it uh, goes against mine. And I'm, cause I'm saying that the, uh, the yellow vests, I'm not saying that he's mm-hmm. going to step down, right, uh, right. but I think that's, I think that's a distinct possibility that at some point he may be pushed Right, uh, right. Because for whatever reason, he's just not able to satisfy. For sure. uh, yeah. uh, but there was I was I was trying to look this up on Twitter. I, I retweeted mm-hmm. something interesting about 2020. Uh-huh. Uh, this was uh, Bank of America. Here it is. Bank of America. Uh, trend for 2020s will be the end of globalization. Countries to increasingly impose nationalist economic policies. The Bank of America says that one of the dominant trends, again, for the 2020s will be the end of globalization as countries increasingly realize the phenomenon has brought unsustainable social disruption. So for what that's worth, there you go. Interesting. That's a possible tw- trend to look for, the end of globalization. Very interesting. All right. All right. Thank well, you so much. A- Adrian, thank you. I hope you'll call again. All right. Thanks. Will do. Thanks. And a happy new year. You too. All right, just enough time to thank two very important gentlemen uh, in my life who make this program run smoothly every week. Uh, Owen Wolf is my uh, technical producer, a fine young man, also a pretty fine musician. I don't know what it is about this show, but um, the last several operators, technical producers, if you will, have all been musicians. In fact, the last two uh, seem to have a particular penchant for uh, rockabilly. Uh, anyway, uh, Owen, thank you so much for uh, a great 2019. I look forward to working with you in 2020. And uh, my live stream producer, uh, Ryan White, another fine young uh, gentleman. You know, I lose a lot of sleep at night sometimes worrying about the next, uh, the young people coming up behind us. Uh, but then I think about uh, Ryan White and uh, Owen, of course, and I sleep much better. Um, because they are a fine character and um, uh, fastidious and uh, just a, a, a great uh, a great pair of young men to know and to hang around how to hang out with and uh, Ryan has the uh, the live stream running smoothly most weeks uh, when it's not it's beyond his, his control sometimes we have internet issues and so forth but uh, without Ryan the live stream wouldn't exist so thank you Ryan thank you Owen for all that you do and I look forward to working with you uh, both in 2020, wishing you both, wishing you all a happy new year. And uh, in the meantime, don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. 
move over Aphrodite, I'm coming home, or at least up the stairs. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.